From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us as we move on through the summer here. Uh, You never know if it's going to be hot. It's it's always hot. It's just, is it going to be hotter or just hot today? (laughs) But uh, we know fall will come, winter will come, spring will come. And uh, this is, so today's the day. Today's the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Jane Lee, God's Heart and Hands Ministry. Thank you. It's good to be here. The only good question to... about Sacramento this time of year is the er, hot or hot er? Yes. yes. Is, it, is it hot or hotter? Yes. yes. It's always hot. There you it's go. always hot. Yes. yes. And it's good because we need this growing season. We really do. And we look at it that way. It's like, oh, I want the, my corn. I don't know if we need it. They're already harvesting. I finally, <laughs> I saw the first tomato truck. Usually you see the first tomato truck, the double barreled. Mm-hmm. Right. With the, with the perfect... Right. Uh, uh, curve of the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You see them about the 1st of July. And this year it was about the 1st of August. They, they, were, they were all late Delayed. getting into the field. Okay, here's a question for God. How is it the ones on the bottom are not tomato sauce by the time you get there? Well, because at UC Davis they developed a specific tomato to be harvested by machine. And it has, if you've ever seen a harvested tomato one Mm -hmm. that's not picked by hand the ones the the, the ones you're seeing in the grocery store and the the heirlooms you know the real Mm -hmm. juicy big ones and the kind of weird shapes those are picked by hand okay the ones that are picked by machine which we see everywhere now are are for cannery for tomato paste for ketchup for you know tomato sauce okay uh, stewed tomatoes in a can that kind of thing Uh uh-huh um and so they don't they don't have to be pretty when they reach the cannery, mm-hmm. but they have very thick skins. Very thick. They were developed wow. so that number one, they would basically every one on the plant would ripen at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like having forty kids the same age, <laughs> you know. And uh-huh. and you know they they were. This was back way before genetic engineering. This was back in the days of, it was genetic engineering, but it was crossbreeding. Right, done naturally. Even, even well, yeah, you know, nature right. nature crossbreeds all right. the time. Right. But we had professors that were just saying, okay, we want this trait and this trait. So and they graft them together, right? Or they just pollinate, I guess. Oh, crossbreed, okay. And, and uh, uh, which I think Gregor Mendel, first uh, a monk, first figure figured that out years years and years and years ago he was very big in that but the uh and the maximum juice content and all Mm -hmm. that stuff pulp and but relative uh same size Mm -hmm. relative very thick skin they Mm -hmm. can play little league baseball with them i'll tell you that they are thick skin you sound like you're speaking from experience yes i've i've I've, uh well i uh, as a teenager i picked tomatoes by hand with the braceros which were people that uh men only who came up from mexico a legal program sponsored Mm -hmm. by the u.s government began during world war ii because there were very few men around Mm -hmm. to work the fields and they brought up laborers from mexico who would uh, participate not just in the planting and everything Mm -hmm. but especially the harvest of, of a lot of things and and then went back to mexico um, in the off season, okay, and 
that that program lasted till about 1963 or 64, long, long past World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there the there was a farm labor camp right outside our hometown, and Dad Dad would take take me out there when I was a little kid to mass on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. One of the priests from St. James would go out and, and say mass. And uh, the conditions these people lived in were pretty appalling. Mm. And uh, But they were here to, to, you know, to make a living and send it back to Mexico and uh, got to know a lot of them and really respect how hard they worked. And, oh, uh, as individuals you did. Yeah, because I, I'm working in the fields with them. Right. Sun up to sundown. And picking the tomatoes, well... I think if you had to do it all your life, your back mm-hmm. would go out on you. It's just you know, yeah. you're either on your hands and knees crawling and picking, or you're bending over a lot. Mm-hmm. The hardest part, though, they had what they called a lug box, mm-hmm. a big, those big wooden right. boxes that you had to carry to the end of the row, mm. and you'd get a punch on your, you had a ticket on your sleeve that mm-hmm. you'd get a punch that you had completed right. picking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then at the end of the day, um, some of them would have all 50 punches off their ticket some of me more i had about 10 uh-huh you know but i was probably 12 years old 13 wow and uh it was a great life experience but wow. now a harvester mm-hmm. and uh, i remember uh, one time i took my uh some ki- my kids when they were little out in the middle of the night you know like it well it's dark it's like 10 11 o'clock because they these things rumble through the fields all mm-hmm. 24 hours a day when in harvest and they let they let us all ride the harvester in the middle of the night. You know, oh, my. Just, and it's a warm summer night, you know, and these things are coming up on a the, the whole plant gets picked. The whole plant comes up on a conveyor belt, and it gets shaked. That was the other part of this is they had to have a very thin connection to, oh, to the plant so right. that they could be shaked. It was a they had engineers working on the harvester mm-hmm. and they had geneticists working on the tomatoes and then they had like vegetable crop peoples working on the actually growing the tomatoes mm-hmm. and you can read some of the early experiments where they basically made ketchup in the field because <laughs> you know and and the guys kind of maybe sort of swearing each other <laughs> and, uh-huh. and like this is never going to work uh-huh. you know and finally or now it's i mean it's universal i mean it's that's so you were there or your kids were there when they were going through that process of of figuring it out oh no so no no much later much once later. once it, once i mean we're talking maybe 10 years ago oh i see uh, okay with, with uh uh, it's been, it's probably been, I think, since at least 1970 or so, or maybe even 65. Mm-hmm. It's, that's been the way they harvest tomatoes now. So, so that it really speaks to the, the importance of parenthood because of the ministry of God's Heart and Hands ministry is God pointing out that parents are His heart and hands. We are the link between our children and God. And so what your dad did for you, for you um, to expose you to this is nature, this is work, yeah. these are men, these are doing, this is how, A, how God grows the plants and what we have to do. This is how we get our food yeah. and then um, allowing you to, to work alongside and, and break a sweat and do a, a good day's hard work. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and everything it brought to you to now you moving forward to what you did with your children. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, most most of the jobs I, well, fortunately we had a, a an agricultural campus in our town. And so there were always jobs for for teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. high school kids, maybe even junior high kids uh, on the campus, you know, hard labor type jobs. 
uh, because so much of the campus was uh, experimental grow- growing mm-hmm. things and developing new varieties of strawberries or walnuts or, mm-hmm. or, or virus-free roots for tree, for nut trees and, and cherry trees and things like that. So there were always, and it was just a great, great learning experience. And you're right, you know, uh, uh, my, my parents certainly encouraged that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's something, I don't know, there's something about work. And, and then all through college, I worked in a greenhouse for plant pathology. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just, just wonderful. I was a political science major, and then at 1 o'clock, one to five every afternoon, I'd go into the greenhouse and get my hands dirty and plant plants, and you know. And there's something very noble, I think, about. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something very noble about labor, and and that's mm-hmm. in rerum novarum. It's it's everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's holy in a sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And and there's but there's something about that connection to the land mm-hmm. that is fascinating to me and i think um i mean so many stories in the bible are about the land and about the good seed and bad seed and well and the reading the today and the moses and, and manna and yeah. the people complaining after i never having grew manna, manna but no. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't either <laughs> curiously so it just showed up but the point of being the connection to land we yeah. are very tied to it that that there is a sacredness in it and yeah. is that not part of one of the reasons that we say the blessing before a meal yeah. and to bring god into it the recognition and so i see how what your father did that just came natural to him to do that. That this was right. this was how children need to have this experience. Yeah, this he'd hard a, work. He had been a forestry major in college. Mm-hmm. Same kind of you know agriculture in the mountains, sort of you know. Yes, yes, that's true. And so he participated without saying the words or understanding the words, but he knew that that was his job. He stood yeah. between God and you and and your and your siblings to raise you and give you those pieces and he gave you an invaluable experience from many facets just the hard work the connection to god the gratitude and 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 it's a part of your tapestry so to speak and parents today i'm I'm really just driven to keep directing them back to when they when they talk and it's all these issues that they're dealing with that we didn't have to and neither did like your dad he he didn't have to deal with any of this but parents today have a lot they have to respond to to figure out to respond to and it all comes back to the simplicity of putting god back in the center yep and we've been removed from that we've been distracted and that peace that he gave you just something you did as part of your life with everything yeah. else that he did and that's the wealth and that's something we've lost track of with um, extended families being stretched across the country or across the world is something that just came naturally of families introducing those other pieces to the children because the developing human being we know so much more now that actually our parents knew intrinsically oh yeah because we know now it increases lung capacity it, and when you're when you're working with dirt the minerals and so on that come out of the dirt and i've seen studies talk about actually people that do that have less depression and because there's microbes and there's good bacteria that's all the science that goes back to what we already knew and so seeing parents and reminding them that they are god's heart and hands that's their job that's nothing else matters yeah but that. i mean our, our our goal is not to get them into harvard it's to get them into heaven yes both starts with h but <laughs> other than that you know yeah but it's, yes. it's it's true and we get we get distracted as parents um um, sort of wanting the best for our kids, mm-hmm. and and yeah, we 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 hope they they get a 
occupation that is fulfilling and, mm-hmm. and pays the bills. And we hope they, uh, you know, we never, we never really worried about were they getting good grades, but were they working to their potential? Right. You know, that's if, a change. If, if they this were, generation. If, if they were getting bad grades. Was it because they needed tutoring? Mm-hmm. You're a tutor. Do they need tutoring? Um, do they need more um, attaboys and attagirls from mom and mm-hmm. dad to, to help them or, or more eyes and say, hey, you know, you've been watching TV for quite a while. You, do you have a term paper due tomorrow or right. do you have a test right. tomorrow? I mean, you, you, you have to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. but And they need encouragement. But you also have to realize how different they all are. Mm-hmm. Um, I have six kids, all of them different, all of them tremendously different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what what fits one doesn't fit all, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's one of the challenges of parenting. And I think in the in the old days, even <laughs> a generation or two back. There was a lot of one size fits all, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think as a result, some kids got lost in the shuffle because they mm-hmm. they did they just didn't fit the parameters right. well, you know. I, I sometimes I sometimes wonder if some criminals, habitual criminals, not all by any any sense, just didn't fit. Do you know what I mean? They, right. they, they weren't intrinsically bad people. They weren't right. intrinsically immoral people. They just, the, from first grade on, the, <laughs> the right. they just couldn't sit still in a classroom kind of thing. Right. You They're know? just and, wired and, differently. And then they got in trouble. And then the, and it just kind of the cycle. on and on and on. And then maybe they got involved in drugs or the wrong people right. and uh, because they were kind, kind of not, just not fitting. Mm-hmm. You know, and there were other people who just fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I remember seeing an interview years ago with an an old cowboy. How to say he'd been doing it his whole life. And he was expert at what he did and could be trusted by the ranchers. He could move large heads of cattle and do it well. And him commenting that if he had to be in a city, he'd probably be in jail Oh yeah, because he was made for that job. Uh, God cut him from the cloth to be doing that job. And that is something as parents, we have to recognize that our kids are made different. Like you're perfect with what you're saying about the six kids are all very different. And we know that when we see them, it shows up very early, even just sitting outside of preschool in the parking lot, just watch for 10 minutes before you pick your kids up, watch the dynamics. You've got every, you know, personality type because God created them all to be able to function in the world. And so that's why we think they have to be hitting all seven subjects and A's and having been a a math tutor, uh, an engineer originally, but that gave me the skills to be a private math tutor for coming up on 30 years. I've seen a lot of generations of education go through and I've been doing this longer than most teachers. And so I can see the pieces and it's, very few students excel at all seven subjects, six subjects. Yeah, they no, don't. It's, it's They're really... either left brain or right brain, so to speak, how we classify them. They're either in the sciences, the logic, the math, or they're in the English and the history. And we, when we push them to, to excel at both, that's different than just do your best yeah. where you're at. And we don't allow for the fact also, because I've seen this with a lot of students, especially athletes, and especially boys that are athletes, because I also see it in girls that are athletes, but especially boys, is that part conceptually, that, that conceptual thinking comes up later. And math is made up. Let's not forget math is invisible. Yeah. And we, we developed it as the language of science. 
I can find science. I can do labs in science. I can't do a math lab. I can't do a lab that's going to de demonstrate right. exponents. That's a shorthand, so scientists don't have to write all those zeros after <laughs> 93 million miles from here to the Earth. It's, it's a tool. And so the most success I've ever had is relating it to the real world, to that athlete. And when I relate it to the real world that this is why we use this skill, then their brains literally can take it in. Their brain can literally hold on to it because if it's left as pure theory, they can't. They can possibly memorize it for the test and then it's gone. But to really make it relevant and to understand how the human beings were made by God. And this is how God made us. And so many students, their math brain turns on late in high school mm -hmm. or even college. I think that's, that's one of the things, and, and uh, you see it you see it so often in athletics. Uh, you guys guys or girls that couldn't make the intramural team when they were 12 mm -hmm. suddenly are very gifted athletically but but many of them have already given up on it and yes. I, you know because, because they, they weren't they, excelling they didn't make the team or they right. sat on the bench all the time and and it's really no fun mm -hmm. and and I'm sure when you get into academic subjects, it's the same way. I mean, it, it, it's, it's um, when I was a kid, I loved numbers, just loved, just before school even. So I you're mean, just made that way. You yeah. just love them. And yet yes. mechanical ability. I mean, I remember we took these tests, I think it was about third grade or maybe, you know, maybe it was more, more junior high school. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they did, they, they showed hands and feet in various Right, uh, orientations. Yeah, and okay. they'd say, is that a left hand or a right hand? You know? Yes, 50 50 right I mean, yeah even even that's true even if one you, out of you, two you right didn't even be just say, okay number one i'll take left number two i'll take right you know uh -huh. you should get half of them right i got like nine out of 20 and i was there's no such thing as a zero percentile but i was like one percentile mm -hmm. but it was something to laugh about mm -hmm. if auto mechanics was the subject in high school that was it everybody wanted to be an auto mechanic harvard taught auto mechanics you know that it, okay i'd have been an f student i my and my brother would have been an a student right you know right and it didn't matter how many times he showed me how to change the oil or the spark right. plugs or whatever you know all these old cars i just i just backed off man it's like yes yes know, see okay. god did not prepare you yeah. did not give you the gifts and, and yet, not prepare you i mean that's a it's a it's an honorable profession mm -hmm. and we all rely on auto mechanics and yet it's not a requirement to graduate from high school right had it been i never would have graduated tr truly mm -hmm. you know it would never mm -hmm. would and, and you you never know oh, oh okay uh math okay i did okay foreign language i could get by and that's pretty much all you had to do and mm -hmm. you're you're out of high school Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. but you can see that with other kids it they've got great skills but they aren't skills that i mean uh, if you look at high school curriculums college curriculums they haven't changed very much since i was a kid mm -hmm. they, they really haven't i know there's there's some culture wars going on in the schools right. but that's kind of almost extraneous to the actual the core stuff they're actually teaching mm -hmm. um that you know two and two is still four mm -hmm. you know the the bueno still means good although they have know. removed the trades the, the auto mechanics uh, uh, and everything uh, uh, else a lot yeah, of them and have. They've, they've kind of moved them more to the community colleges and and, and mm -hmm. they're still very prominent there but in some schools they have they've mm -hmm. I, I know the school well 
school that my kids went to, uh, they had a real strong FFA program. Mm -hmm. And we had one kid that just thrived there, and she was special needs in every other class. Mm -hmm. But she thrived in FFA. Mm -hmm. She raised her own lamb and, you know, just uh, and and participated in class and, mm -hmm. and, and was excited about class. And you just, I think that's one of the things that a parent is tasked with mm -hmm. is really identifying and nurturing the skills that God gave each child. Yes. And, and beyond everything else, never comparing one child to another. Yes. That you're all made in the image and likeness of God. Right. You're all equal on this earth. And I've said this many times, but, you know, I want you, when you meet the governor, which mm -hmm. they're probably not going to, but, you know, when mm -hmm. you meet the governor or the chancellor of the university, mm -hmm. you be respectful mm -hmm. and you be kind. That person's no better than you are. And when you meet... I won't even name an occupation or somebody right. who's Fill unemployed yes. or, or homeless or you're respectful and you're kind and you're no better than they are. Right. You know, and you're, you know, you, you never make snide remarks about somebody. You Can know, I speak to how profound that is? Because you just put their place in God's tapestry, if you will. They put you put them fully to, to occupy the space they're in, but to understand we all have an equal space, right? Because with the push in education towards advanced placement classes, AP classes, that um, as kids now are taking more and more and more are being offered, um, I've had more than one student say that there's even a prejudice within the students that are taking the AP class from another student. Oh, you're only doing three AP classes, which let's remember this is a college level course they're doing in high school. And the way that they feel from that scorn, if you will, that diminishment. Um, and I, that's so important what you just did for your children to say you are no more important or no less important right. than any other human being. We are all created in God's image and likeness. And we all have a mission on the earth. And your mission is, is just as important as that person's yes. mission. Not more important, not less important. It's just as important. Yes. I don't want to speak for God. God may say, Bob, no, 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 no. Now you got it wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, right. Leaving Jesus out, of course. And right. the Blessed Mother. And True, yes. Some of the saints, they, yes. they apparently maybe had a higher mission. But uh, um, I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I mean, it's it's our, our mission isn't just to, I guess, get a job and get comfortable. Right, and own things and acquire more things. Yeah, and and and, and there would be we re we really do have a, you know, my Mother Teresa took it to one extreme, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's always you know you see you, um, one of those mega millions things, you know, mm -hmm. and they're they're literally over a billion dollars. Yeah, and and my wife Shelley and I we muse about what would you do. Do you, do you know how many things you could do? I mean, you could yes. to, to, to make make this make a better a world, difference. or to make a difference in, you know, you could you could go into a high school and not say, well, we're going to give all the straight A students college right. scholarships. We're going to give the non predictors right. a college scholarship. Every student. Yeah, we're going to have every student. Right. Uh, 
it's it's an enormous amount of money. Right, and yeah. and they don't they're not they're not catechized, if you will, yeah. to have that thought. I've thought often thought that the first first thing, or maybe the second thing, because I haven't figured out the first thing, is I would buy our priest a housekeeper because of their job it's yeah. seven by 24 they need someone to cook yeah. for them but it's so support those that support us like yeah. what you're saying with the with the high school students and giving them a scholarship you're right and how how we train our children and and understanding they have a god-given talent and my son is a is a talented engineer and i remember as he was going through college and that moment where he could see the light at the end of the tunnel and i looked him in the eye and i said and if you don't use your talents to serve humanity, because he had many talents right. and where it was going to go, God designed and made ever gave you all of this to serve humanity. I will come back and haunt you. I'm just letting you know, yeah. because it's that because when it all boils down to what did God create you for, and to give them that that picture, that bigger picture, I think that's what that's part of the influence that parents have, and we're it's getting. It's getting not only distracted, but it's getting um, a, a, a different media campaign than what God gave it. It's kind of being diminished. Like, oh, other people can handle it. You can, you know, you can go out to work and don't worry that you, you know you, your kids will be okay. And there's a there's a push now that you know you can you have you'll be in contact with your kids via phone and yep. your kids can handle things and they they have to figure this out. They have to make their own choices. That's not how God designed it, because there is a natural breaking point when they move into adulthood that we help them transition into that. But they need us there. They need us to have visibility into their lives yep. because someone's going to. And when I've talked with young mothers grappling with that um, pressure to go back to work and, and not, and I went through it coming out of engineering. Do I, do I go back to engineering? And I'd really done that dance as, as every woman does. And I realized it's not a matter of the mechanics of, of taking care of them, changing the diaper, feeding them. It's someone's going to be there to to notice and to watch and to help them with the as they come up because you can't predict when right. something's going to come up. Someone's going to do it. Someone is, and it needed it needed to be who God designed it to be, and and good, bad, or indifferent. That was me. And I had to make everything work around that, that they had to be the center. Because I'm, I'm so struck by the fact that the fourth commandment, right after he talks about God three times, and before he goes off into talking about humanity, parents are the bridge. We yeah. are the peace. Honor thy father and mother. Yeah, you, you just think of, think of all the, you know, I mean, there, there are things we're not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But right there in the Ten Commandments, there's one we're supposed to do. Just like, say, the fourth commandment. And I don't know, I don't know, um, it's like it's like the amendments to the Constitution. Right. You know, people say, well, that was the First Amendment. That means it's more important than the Eighth Amendment right. or something. And I go, ah, I don't know if that's mm. true. If, if they're all adopted at the same time, you could make the case that they were all equally important. Um, but but with the Constitution, we're, we're into the 20s, you know, and, and right. they all, other than the first the Bill of Rights, they, they all mm -hmm. they all came later mm -hmm. you know and and for as as society changed or as, as society saw a need for something that wasn't there before mm -hmm. um whereas the, the ten commandments all came down at the same time mm -hmm. you know 
And they're not in God sand. Didn't go, they're okay, here's sand. the first one. <laughs> yes. Yes, they're in stone. And talking yeah. about what you just said, we're talking about the amendments. That's kind of like saying, well, then the sixth child you're going to parent, parenting is less important for the sixth child than it yeah. was for the first child. No, it is. It is. And they're in stone. Isn't that curious? God did yeah. not put them in anything that's flexible. Yeah. But we have to come back to that because we as parents, that's what God's going to look at. One of the the primary things and and there's so much that's that's diluting it and making it swirl and letting us think okay this is going to be okay and that's going no it all comes and, and, and but you're really right to, to see of 10 commandments fully 10 percent is honor your father and mother five mm. percent for dad five percent for mom mm-hmm. we think 30 mm-hmm. percent for god and god directing us with the rest and it's, it's not it's, a, it's mind-boggling right and well so one of the things that's going on with parenting right now and i've heard this loud and long from young adults because you get to know them they'll start to open they realize you're a trustworthy adult is that this is the first generation of children canceling their toxic parents mm-hmm. and with quite determination and clarity they think they've got the right to do this and it doesn't mean there's not going to be difficulty in a family but it, it's, oh, it's, it's almost like unspeakable that you'd have kids doing that to parents. And it's not just over, um, you know, you, you were, you know, a, an abusive parent, which is a whole thing to handle with God. But it's, I don't like your opinion on, fill in the blank, or I don't agree with you on, and I'm right. going to cancel you. Whoa, whoa, wow. Did, are, are we seeing the enemy involved here? Really? Because family is tied together for a reason. And God designed it. He, he, he puts people, as we all do, we all, we all have people in our family that we would not be friends with. But God tied us together in a family. <laughs> you know, so when we look at it from that perspective, we see that parents, family are designed by God, and we have to recognize that and hold on to it. Yeah, I've certainly said that many times to my kids, that um, we don't know the reason why, but that's your mom, mm-hmm. and that's your dad. And that's who God wanted to be, your mom and dad. Right. So you need to trust that we love you. You need mm-hmm. to trust that anything, and, and I, I, I really can say that, anything that my wife and I do or tell, tell you to do, insist mm-hmm. that you do, encourage you to do, praise you for doing. Argue with you if you don't do. Yeah. Right, that, stand up. That we are doing it. We may be wrong. We may make mistakes. Right. But in our mind, we're doing it in your best interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really are. We, we're not yes. doing it to be mean. We're not trying to hurt you. We're not doing it to, okay, well, you did this, and we're going to punish you just to just, just to for the satisfaction you. of punishing right. you. You know, no, that that anything we do, and, and you, I think you do, you do have to call yourself on that. But when you, when you really love your kids, mm-hmm. it comes naturally. It, right. it comes naturally. Right. You know, you you want what's best for them, mm-hmm. you know, and um, no sacrifice is too great. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're called to sacrifice, yeah. you know, and, and to, to say the difficult things and to stand in that space. I mean, I look at when <laughs> when I was young, um, my dad had just come back from, I'm going to date myself, uh, from World War II. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, he hadn't finished college because of World War II. And he had gone back into the Army. He had just finished five years in the Army when Pearl Harbor was bombed. Mm-hmm. And he looked at my mom. They had just been, they were on their honeymoon. Mm. And he said, they announced they were, believe it or not, they were at a bullfight in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And 
they announced over the loudspeaker that Pearl Harbor had been bombed. And he looked at my mom, and, he's, and he was on what they call terminal leave. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he served his time, and now had a, a month's leave or something, and then he was out five mm-hmm. years already. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I'm going back in." And they, uh, when, uh, so he spent time at Fort Benning training other people, mm-hmm. and then uh, he shipped out in 1943 on Christmas Eve. Mm. Mom was. They had a one-year-old. And she was pregnant with another one when he shipped out on Christmas Eve. You, and you think of things we think of as hardships today. Wow. You know, here she is. They had just moved to Portland, which was his hometown, but she was from North Dakota. She's there alone with a one-year-old, pregnant. Her husband is going off to this great war. We don't have the communications we have. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. he could write her letters and die before she got the letter. Yeah. You know. Wow. And uh, I've, I've got this trove of letters that he wrote. Oh. They're so, oh, they're just so beautiful, you know, about what he wants to do when he comes home and what he, you know, what he wants for his family when he comes home. But anyway, he came home and um, had seen a lot of death and destruction and was, but, but, Decided to go back to college. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up coming to California. And he went to college. And mom got a job. She was an RN. Mm-hmm. She had converted at a Catholic nursing school uh, in North Dakota to Catholicism mm. a, as a young adult. Oh, why? Grew up Lutheran in North Dakota, which is mm-hmm. state law. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and she said the nuns had something that she wanted. Mm-hmm. They said they didn't try to convert me or anything. They just went about their lives. And um, St. Alexis Hospital in Bismarck, it's now known as the University of Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, people, I, I wear a sweatshirt that says, and, and it's the same colors as the University of Miami. And people go, oh, oh. University of Miami, go hurricanes. Oh. And I say, no, no, read it closely. It's the University of Mary. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, it's probably, the other than Notre I was going to say, it's probably the only team, the only school with a, named after Mary that uh, has a football team, but I forgot about Notre Dame. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, she got a job working nights at the county hospital mm-hmm. from 11 o'clock at night till 7 in the morning, and she would take the train to the hospital. Dad would be home, mm-hmm. so he'd put, put, he'd put his, well, she would be there for dinner. Mm-hmm. She'd be there at bedtime. And then dad would be there all night. But mm-hmm. she'd, she'd get on the train after we were in bed. Wow. And she'd come back at 7 in the morning, wake us up. We'd have breakfast together as a family. We'd go off to school. Mm. And I'm thinking, I didn't even know she had a job. So speaking to that kind of... And looking at the lens, always what we're talking about through the lens of, of parenting and, and parents being God's heart and hands, your parents figured it out to what made it work for them. That their family was obviously the priority. Oh, and I, I'm thinking I, that wasn't the, your mom's last hardship when he was shipping off and she was had a one-year-old and a baby. She was basically sleep-deprived for a number of years. She probably oh, got yeah. a couple long naps during the day, but then she's back at it again. And yeah, that she, they talk she's about... She's when we got home from school. Right, so she got... It, it wasn't know. like, shh, mom's sleeping. Oh, wow. 
you know. Yeah, so she got a good long nap in between, up and at it again. And so much of the pressure, I won't say pressure, because sometimes it's just absolutely necessary. There's no way around it that the mom has to leave the home to work. And my response has always has always been, women have always worked. Whether it was in the farm, any scenario, women have always worked. And not just raising the children, but they've always contributed oh, yeah. to the income in some way, whether it was how they managed it, uh, things they did along the way, but it, they've always been an, an income contributor. Or well, you look at the history of public schools and, and Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Um, Women were primarily uh, teachers, oh, right? Yeah, I right. Mean, vast majority. I mean, I can't. I can't even think of my first. I don't think my first male teacher was till I was in junior high school. That's true. It yeah. was typical. So, so with that, women have always worked and and made it work and we as parents or as adults when we have children we're called to organize our lives around our children and it's very difficult and I, I really did plan on going back to work after my son was born but then once you really live into it and you become a mother longer you understand your priorities are shifting and i think part of it is god breaks you down through severe sleep deprivation and then you're just kind of you're much more malleable right. at that point because not just what i think is going to happen but the, the, the bigger picture of we have to organize our lives around these children. And so we did other things. We made and we, we worked very hard to yep. make it to have the children have the stability and your parents did make it work. And that's important to, to bring back that focus that when you put God back in the center of the family, he will show you the way. He will sh- and doesn't mean it's going to be easy. He never said, I'm going to take it away. He said, my, what, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Something you still like got to do the yeah. work. Find rest with me. You're still going to do the work, but yeah. I will bring but, you rest. But, you know, give, give, give me your burdens, and, and, yes. and it won't be so heavy. Right. And you still, we still do it. We still get through it. And it's amazing when you look back what we did get through. The one I always love is the one about the birds have enough to eat, right? Yes. So what are you worried about? I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And we, yeah. we still do. We, we worry. We think. We worry. And he's like, Jesus. And what does it say on the Divine Mercy? image jesus i trust in you over and over again and so redirecting parents back to anything that comes up it's nothing new actually it's everything just in in a couple of families we've hit everything that we've gone through from from war and hardship with income with families yes no medical issues you name it but god is always there and he'll lead what do you say if god brought you to it he'll bring you through it and it doesn't look like the picture of what we think it's going to be but when we cling to God and we keep coming back to him, which is what he said, be like a child. Because what do children do? Hey, 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 you're going to fix this? Okay, you got it. I'm good. I'm going to go play now. You're going to make it all work. I'm going to go back and be joyful and loving that you, you guided me to be. And so looking at that, it's like, where do we go for parents? Where do we go for resources? And within our faith, because there's, there's family, there's friends and everything else, but in our faith, the stories of the saints. Because there's so many... Family, well, the families had to produce the saints. We know that. You know, every saint had a parent. Well, it's, that is, to me, has always been one of the most interesting things. You know, we concentrate on the saints, and yet they all came out of families. Mm-hmm. You know, quite large families often. The thirteenth, the thirteenth yeah. child, yeah, something like that. And we think that no big families they deserve a right to not be born into poverty. How many saints have we? And sometimes. Because the pa- the parents were living saints, they've been canonized too. Yes, yeah, that's amazing when you hear about the multiple saints in a family, and but that they they all went through difficulty. How many of them came through hardship that you just don't know how they got through, but they did. And what's the common link of all of them? They held on to God. 
They trusted. They persisted. They just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And that's huge as parents because our children, it was a difficult thing when I realized that my children, I thought, you know, okay, they're basically raised. They're teenagers. They got it all. And then to realize, well, for them to really get the next set of lessons, they're going to have to see us or see me, particularly just thinking about what I would do as their mother, see me go through hardship because now they're old enough to take really fully take in the stories as a young adult. And that was kind of uh, uh, difficult to swallow going, oh, wow, my parenting is not over. It's going to continue to be because they learn from us. Not only do they ask us, sometimes yes, sometimes no, for our advice, but they turn to us. Oh, yeah. You and know, they watch I, us. I, I fully, we've never tried to hide uh, hardships, whether they're financial or job-related, mm-hmm. health-related. We've never tried to hide that from the kids at any age. So you've, you've got a few that are launched, so to speak. Do they, so they, those stories became stories for them, wouldn't you say? Kind of like part of their toolkit by yeah. you sharing that with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think absolutely. You know, that they, gee, I, we thought, you know, uh, I remember in the early days of being a sports writer, you know, um, loved, loved 90% of it. And 10% of it was just really hard and underpaid and you know, we're, how are we going to pay the rent mm-hmm. kind of stuff with two young kids? Um, and um, sometimes you, you, you felt uh, that management didn't recognize how hard you were working mm-hmm. and that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and they knew it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a complaining thing. It wasn't a, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the, they, they knew that, um, that um, it was always don't cut off your nose to spite your face. You know, right. you don't, bang your typewriter and say, I'm not going to do this job anymore, you know, right. in, unless you truly think that that's mm-hmm. in everybody's best interest, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think they learn from that when you when you stick it out, mm-hmm. when you don't make rash decisions, you stick it out until, and there are times when, when certain jobs, you should, maybe, maybe they, not, that didn't happen to me, but where they, request you to do things that you don't think are ethical mm-hmm. and that never happened to me um then um you you tell your kids why you're leaving your job mm-hmm. you know and this might be hard on us but we can't do this you mm-hmm. know um that's not ethical and the good lord will will look out for us mm-hmm. you know but it might be it might be hard you know mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not going to Disneyland, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. And 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 that that I I think it lets them know that life's real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not well. They'll they'll learn soon enough. No, they can learn right now. Right. They they, they can learn. And that's organic. That's when they take it in. They're they're paying attention. Yeah, because here's here's mom or dad, um, worried about something. Here's mom or dad struggling with mm-hmm. something. Um, and they are watching with rapt attention. Ex- they really are. What you're doing. They, they, they right. really are. And and sharing it with them means we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, we will, uh, I know I know in my, my own occupation and the various jobs that I've had, um, when it came time to switch occupations or, or same occupation but for a different employer or mm-hmm. that kind of thing, or turning down, the, they were always family decisions. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. 
shall we move to Los Angeles and work for a bigger newspaper? Mm-hmm. Whoa, wow. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a wow to it, but here's, here's the downside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the downside. So you're teaching them decision-making on all the pieces you go through, especially for a major life decision. That You don't get that out of a book. You don't get that out no, of a you movie. Don't. You don't get that anywhere else than at the slow pace of around the dinner table. And so when ch- and when we've lost that in families, that the family dinner table, it, and, and food is made and they all disperse, but bringing together, that's when all of that comes out. They, there's such a learning and such a, a maturing of the human being in that. And so when parents see themselves, really just understand that this, when you get it, you don't even have to think about it anymore. Well, I am God's heart and hands to these children. This is my responsibility over and if and if you want nothing else look around a cemetery there's no there's nowhere does it say ceo nope. on there doesn't say auto mechanic doesn't nope. say best in class of nope. it's always based on love and family relationships and so we, we there's so much learning that children get from that and children talk about the, the this new thing called distracted parents and you'll see kids out wherever with their parents and the parents on a phone yeah. on the phone and we live off of stories and if we don't provide opportunities for our children to to learn from our stories or them to bring their stories to us they're gonna going to get them somewhere else and i can tell you being with so many students they do get it somewhere else. they either get it from their peers or they get it from that magical little box from the iphone yeah. and they're getting someone else's story and coping mechanisms because you can just watch in in the schoolyard when there's a big movie um, the kids are all acting it out, yeah, yeah. and the story has come into them. But it's the same thing that this is God wired them for stories. Jesus taught in parables, right? right? Nursery rhymes, fairy tales, and it goes on. Folklore, folk tales, legends. We are wired for stories, and so we have such a potent input to these these human beings that we now know their brain metabolism at a year old is double in adults. That's why they can't sit still. Yeah. Because they're like, I fueled my body. Now I need, there's the, the world is out there. The, I remember thinking when my son was about three, I can't wait till he's discovered everything in the world because he just recharges when he sleeps <laughs> yeah. and he wakes up as soon as the sun's up and he knows it. And he was, there, there's something in the world I haven't figured out. I haven't done this yet. And he was on fire for the world. And that's fueled him in being the, the, the good engineer that he is. And, but I had, I recognized it. I saw it as his parent and how mm-hmm. to help him and be able to give him the time to, to play in the spilled milk rather than, than yelling about it. They're like, okay, you spilled the milk, you know, and they're, they put their hands in it, right? Cause they're testing it. They're curious. And there's so much they get out of one thing because their brain is such is so much on fire for God. But when we see our role as I am God's heart and hands. And when things get out of balance, my role as a parent, um, what was it? Um, G.K. Chesterton said, I don't know why women are pushing for the vote because they influence society <laughs> far more. Because, and, and, yeah. and I understand the whole big picture. I'm not saying they shouldn't have, should have, but he was pointing to motherhood and parenthood, how influential you are. Yeah. And whoever raises the child, who, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. It's very true. So reminding parents that any sacrifice we're called to do is going to be beneficial. It will pay off in the long run. And so encouraging parents as this things as we become so materialistic and we want this and we want that, 
how beautiful it is. One of the best things that came out of the lockdown is seeing families at parks now. Yeah. I see dads out riding their bikes, and it didn't quit. I'm still, I thought, okay, now that we're all rearing back up, um, then it will go. No, I'm still seeing parents out there having a picnic on a summer night. Yeah. Or they're sitting there, and the kids are running around. There's much more family engagement. Oh, yeah. We, we, uh, we pack everybody up in the minivan and go for a ride. Mm-hmm. sing songs and roll down all Whoa. the windows and sing songs and you know um usually sing along you know uh-huh. you know um with and we let them take turns picking their music we did it the other night mm-hmm. with four college-age kids who happened all we you know we're all together and and the oldest of them 22 We'd, we'd all gone out to dinner, not a special occasion, but we just, yeah. you know, um, and we get back in the car to go home and to drop one off at her apartment and, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not all living at home because they're college age. And the one, it's like, it is not quite sunset. And she says, could we just go for a ride? Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know? It's like three or four days ago. Uh-huh. We just drive out in the country. You know, you don't have, there's a beauty of the valley. You don't have to go very far before you are truly in the sticks. Right. You know, it's all ag. Right. It's beautiful. Everything's in bloom. The sunflowers are in bloom. Oh. Sunflowers, you know, when the sun goes down, they're, they're nodding. They look yes. they're, like they're all at prayer. Uh, they're no, they're <laughs> nodding their heads. Perfect. And then the sun comes up and they follow the sun. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and the corn and the alfalfa and the tomatoes and the, all the nut trees. And mm-hmm. it's just mind-boggling, all the, all the great stuff out there. And... And just we took a ride, and people took turns playing their music, and we all sang along. And and I thought this is this is the way it should be. But you know the one, my dad said this. He didn't invent it, but I've used it a lot on myself and on kids. And it's all throughout the Bible, but not in so many words. Is bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. Bloom where you're planted. Four words, but your is a contraction. Contraction. So right. it could be five, four and a half. Okay. And like love your neighbor as yourself. What's that? Five love your neighbor yeah that's five you Mm -hmm. know and when you think about it you know like okay i'm going to take this entry level job or i'm going to do this and it's going to lead to this yeah maybe Mm -hmm. but bloom where you're planted you know you don't have to go work for the new york times right and that's not the only thing that that might be something you want to do but right now you're working for a a weekly in some small little town, mm-hmm. bloom where you're planted, right. you know, because those people in that town need you to be a good reporter or a good columnist or a good editor mm-hmm. or whatever. They need you to do that. Mm-hmm. And always, you know, I mean, picking tomatoes mm-hmm. when you're 12 years old, um, bloom where you're planted, do the best job possible. Mm-hmm. You never know what one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. And, it's all through the Bible. Tomorrow's not promised. Right. Oh, well, I I, I uh, didn't do a good job there because that wasn't the job. I'm, I'm really looking 10 years down the road. Well, right. You, You're not going to get there if you, you don't you do might, the good job. And you, you might not get to 10 years down right. the road. Right. And anyway. at the same time, parents feel too much pressure for if their kid doesn't excel in whatever the current definition is, that they are to blame because we, we've started that and it's it's got to be cast aside because 
that's their child's path with God. We have a certain, we have everything we can do, but there is an element that we don't. And I remember a mom calling me when um, our kids finished sixth grade. Are you going to um, have your son do an algebra unit over the summer? And this was the end of sixth grade. And I said, why? Tell me about it. Because I had homeschooled, so I knew about having full responsibility for their education, but I didn't see it going on now. They were at Holy Trinity in Eldorado Hills, and it had just opened up, so we're all young and enthusiastic parents and doing the best for our kids. And she rolled it out. If he does that in sixth grade, then he can do pre-algebra, then he can do algebra one in, in eighth grade, and then he can do geometry, algebra two, and calc, pre-calc, and, and, and then it, it just rolled forward. And I said, I want my son to be a kid in that I want him to discover more what God designed him to do. And the biggest gift I can give him is free time to experience things, um, to, 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 to build, to take things apart, to do the things that, that the impulses without me, because I know it's going to come of its own. Yeah. And I really, I'm trusting God to be there because I've seen it so many times already. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to trust God big on this because I just feel that summer is a primary opportunity and, and to explore and to experience and, and to, and to, because I believe that's part of what we have to do as parents is like you said very early on, see how they're different and support it. Right. And she just couldn't relate to what I was saying. So, well, but it works for some kids. It, it, it does. Yeah. It does. I, and, and that's to say, too, with parenting, I don't know to say it's not fair to say one is right or one is wrong. She was called to do that for her children. I'm called to do As a priest said to me decades ago, you parents all think it's like a competition, like you parent your way, I'll parent my way, and we'll see who wins in the end. He said, no, it's not like that. And it is this ambiguous yes, no, how are we going to do it, what was successful, what was right, because as you said, every child is different. And we parents give it our best no matter what we're doing. We always think we're, we're going to make the best decision. And so with that, but if we put God in the center, then we have the best chance of making yep. The fewest mistakes, maybe? I don't know. I can't even say that. Because how much, how much? Um, as a grandmother said to me year, years ago, honey, the best gardens have the most fertilizer. <laughs> yes, they grow. And yeah. as another parent said to me that her children are all grown, she got grandchildren, why would I deny my children pain? I'm not going to bring it, but why would I worry about it if things get difficult for them? I've only grown when I was going through difficulty and pain. So it brought it down because we, we parents, I think we're past the helicopter parent into the lawnmower parent where they <laughs> yeah. mow the ground before they're the ground in front yeah. of their children, which I have seen yeah. in parents. I'm like, let your kid figure it out. It's going to be okay. But understanding, well, if we truly see that we're God's heart and hands, we hand it off to God and we listen to God, recognizing that we are his link. And so th with the power, he's right there for us with all the saints and the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph. Prayer. So, prayer. You know, much prayer. You know, it's, it's, it is interesting that that's, it's, and I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody, you know, it's like using, so prayer is the last resort. <laughs> prayer is, you know, I'm going to solve this yes. and I'm going to solve this and it's, it's, it's heavy on my mind or my yes. shoulders and the surrender novena i think it's day three he says jesus said you you people tell the doctor you need to be healed and then you get in the way by telling him how to heal you yeah right show trust in me jesus i surrendered to you take care of everything yeah. and that's it we just keep doing it then he's like okay good we got this this is right you know i had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who talked about um adoration Mm -hmm. And just how powerful that was, and and in in the best of ways, you know. And, yes. And she, she was just very, very convincing that this was, um, 
a really major part of her life. You know, we 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 didn't even talk about adoration no, when I was a kid. Maybe, maybe people were doing it, um, but. It's one of the beauties of the church today. Today, yeah. how many times you see families that are coming into mm-hmm. adoration that time, that sweet mm-hmm. time between dinner and bed, but just for 15, 15 minutes, yeah. just connect before God. And what uh, it was blessed Carlo Acutis mm-hmm. that said it's like sun getting a tan, like the soul getting <laughs> yeah. just being in His presence. Yeah. You know, and that that's powerful. And as a dad of one of my clients, he just could, he just opened up one day. I'm trying to protect my kids, my family, what they're doing, and I. I, I want to know the best thing to do for them. What are you seeing? Because you're in so many different arenas. And I said, take care of their spiritual first. Yeah. Saying the rosary at night and popping into adoration with them a couple nights a week, just 15 minutes in and out yep. and saying a rosary at night. And there's different ways you can do it to keep the kids engaged. But man, start with the spiritual. And live by example. Yes. Yes. That's, they pick up on that more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know. And the, I think you'll do as I do as I say, not as, as I, I do. do. That doesn't work. No. And parenting comes down to it's not so simple. It is mundane, but it's actually more powerful and more influential. That God had to make it the first commandment before he starts about everything else. After him, it does come parents. And that is what it what it comes down to. So we parents, it's an obligation, but he's right there for us. We're, we're the primary educator of our children. Yes. Period. Yes. Jane, always a always a joy. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thanks for all you here. do. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. Down.